Hey, soul sibling, welcome back to an all new episode of Viral Mindfulness, the podcast. That is Landslide. Oh, yeah, Stevie Nicks. This is my version, my cover, my interpretation. Here's a sneak peek. In the fall, very soon, I'll be introducing a new installment of the podcast called One Song. And in the episode, I will take you on a journey from practice to performance of one song that I'm learning. And I will talk about the musician, the lyrics, the lyricist, any research and digging that I find about the song, why I'm learning it, what it means to me, kind of uh, sneak peek sound clips of practice sessions over the couple weeks. And I'll continually check in over a couple weeks in the podcast recording so that when I present it to you, the final one song episode, you'll kind of see the creative process with my music from practice to performance. So keep your ears out for that. And there's one more installment coming this fall. I just couldn't resist. I couldn't not not do this because so many people keep coming to me with questions or sending me links or have you heard about this? Coming this fall to Viral Mindfulness, the podcast, a regular feature called Namaste. The gay in me acknowledges every part of you. Either I'm getting a text message from a friend telling me about how Elizabeth Smart's dad just came out as gay, or I'm at my yoga studio and an LDS member there stops me and wants to talk about stereotypes and tell me about a new website that the LDS church has about how to help gay people, or I'm being invited by family to attend a special fireside that my oldest brother is presiding at as a bishop for the LDS church, where I'm singing with my nephew, and we are the only musical number featured with a gay Mormon who is 60 years old and who was gay and living with his husband for 20 years and is now LDS and left is no longer with his husband and is a gay Mormon. And I just don't know how you can be a gay Mormon, really. So I get asked so many questions and my opinions. So I've decided to be courageous and offer this new installment. So coming this fall. Today is episode 108, The Biggest Roadblock to Mindfulness. So I've been talking to a lot of people and I've been reading a lot about how we are so prone to pleasure and we are so ridiculously 
we are aversive to pain and discomfort in our life. And so I was at the yoga studio recently and I was talking to someone about their anxiety and we were talking about becoming like friends with your anxiety about actually instead of trying to get rid of the anxiety and to cure it or take a pill to actually lean into it. And she said out loud, no joke, I've never thought of that. Second story, I have a very dear friend who has very chronic back pain. And we've been talking, getting to know each other better. And I finally said to her, hey, have you ever heard about some of the information about managing chronic pain by leaning into the pain and developing a different relationship to the pain? And she also had not heard about this. So this brings me to something in my life that kind of started a lot of this movement of viral mindfulness. In fact, it came first and it was called Bless Your Virus. And that was where I had a revolutionary thought with the help of some inspired people and the inspired path, which presented itself to me to, in 2008, really change my perception, how I was relating to HIV at the time in 2008, I had received an AIDS diagnosis. And if you want to hear more about that, I recently did a whole podcast episode. And I'll put that link in the show notes uh, that you can get that quick access. In fact, if you head over to viralmindfulness.com forward slash 108, that's where you can find all things this podcast. And so I started Bless Your Virus. And in fact, I was featured on CNN in 2011 talking about my online movement initially with Bless Your Virus, where I chose to become friends with HIV, to become roommates, to create space for this virus and for the AIDS diagnosis. And so today we're talking about the biggest roadblock to mindfulness being pain and discomfort, your inability to relate to pain, your propensity to run from it, to escape, to ignore it, to to work away from it, to drink away from it, to play away, to meditate away from pain and discomfort. So we're going to dive into some real specific examples about how this relates to mindfulness and meditation specifically. And then I'll give you several mindfulness mind shifts to help you relate to pain differently. So let's start with the definition of mindfulness. If you head over to uh, viralmindfulness.com forward slash 108, you can actually see this whole section. I've been doing a bit of refining and really looking at the future of viral mindfulness. And frankly, at this point, Cheers, please. Thank you. Drum roll. My best friend is very excited for me. Um, And I am too. I have the core. I know exactly what the plan is, where I'm headed, the services that will be offered. And so I have found a way to kind of start expressing why viral mindfulness is what it is and what it means to me. So we'll just start with that real quick. And then we'll move into the big roadblock, which is the pain, our discomfort for pain. So viral, if you take uh, the diagrams that I kind of put together at this landing page, viral caused by a virus. 
So entirely, yes. I like to joke and say, AIDS woke me the fuck up, so what's your excuse for waking up? You know, it seems like most of us have to have some painful experience to encourage us to wake up, to be more aware, to be more present to our life. And, you know, I don't think we always take those invitations. I think we sometimes choose to be asleep, to be numb, to be checked out. And that's all part of the journey. For me, I'm very interested in continuing on a steady incline as best as I can to be present and to be awake at this point, because I'm finding that if I can do this, that I find spiritual assets of peace and joy and creativity and connection and an ability to authentically share some of my specific gifts that are very helpful and entertaining and fun for other people. And it also adds to the goodness and light of this world. There's a lot of heavy stuff around. So the second idea with viral is, of course, circulating through the internet. And the third idea is spreading information. So I had this really interesting metaphor with HIV and AIDS because HIV specifically, the human immunodeficiency virus, is spread human to human. And that was spread to me in 2002. And I was officially diagnosed in 2003. And so then I decided at some point in my exploration of all of this contribution that I wanted to be a part of that I was going to spread information about mindfulness, about creativity, about compassion, about developing your music and your art and being more present and especially meditation. So those three items are totally connected to viral. So that brings us to mindfulness. So let's break that down into two. First, the word mind. So the definition that I'm working with for now is mind, the element, part, substance, or process that reasons, thinks, feels, wills, perceives, judges, etc. So the mind being different than your brain, your brain being a the largest organ of your body, and it's, um, I'll talk more about these later. And then, of course, with mind, there can be another definition, which is, you know, a small mind or a wise mind, you know, and we'll get into those as well. But for now, I wanted to start with that main delineation. And then fullness. Fullness means richness of flavor, sound, or color, and a synonym for fullness, depth, and vibrancy. One statement that really resonates with me is that, you know, the the quality of your life entirely relates to the depth. And so, you know, for me, the depth of my spiritual connection, the depth of my willingness to be purely present as best as I can, to be helpful and kind to other people. So then let's jump right into what is mindfulness. And so I'm going to read to you, with a lens of mindfulness, you tune into what you're sensing in the present moment. Refrain from rehashing the past. When you imagine the future, gently guide yourself back to this moment. Think of mindfulness as a type of moving meditation in which you focus on being intensely aware of what you're sensing and feeling in this moment without interpretation or judgment, without conclusion, 
Practicing mindfulness involves breathing methods, guided imagery, and other practices to relax the body and mind and help reduce stress. And of course, I am going to add in my course academy over the next few years, mindfulness courses specific to creativity, because I feel like mindfulness has opened me up to creativity. And by participating in creative learning and exploration, it is such a powerful way to continue the journey of mindfulness. All right. So why do we want to practice mindfulness? You know, so what brings you to me to mindfulness? Why are you still listening in this moment? I appreciate your time and attention entirely. And I'm honored and I'm tickled. And my goal moving forward is to continue to offer you very specific, helpful, inspiring, and sometimes entertaining, entertaining. But I want to be value, I want to be conscientious of your time. And so uh, there are benefits of mindfulness. And it's funny because we love the pain. We're, you know, we, we love the pleasure. We're, we, we run from the pain. And so benefits, the same thing. We love to have benefits. And so, of course, I'll get more into future episodes about specific benefits. Um, but then why are we avoiding mindfulness practice? And what are some of the pitfalls or the difficulties? What are some of the myths, the misconceptions when it comes to mindfulness? And so then today's episode specifically, the biggest roadblock. So I've been interviewing people. I've been talking to people. I've been preparing information. I'm creating a course on guided meditation exploration, a 60-day course. And I have a lot of information now and... I have been doing it myself for 16 years and I worked as a clinical social worker and therapist for over a decade and it was one of the very strong tools I used with clients, couples, and in groups, meditation and guided imagery and breath work. And so I really think that the biggest roadblock is this relationship, our relationship to pain and to difficult things. So let me read a quote that quote, let me read a quote that I pulled from mindfulness.org. And here's what it says. With all the focus on quick gains to health and happiness, there may be something deeper to these practices that our positive results focused science and culture is missing. So, you know, we obviously love the positive results and we perpetuate them sometimes online with this spreading of information. So continuing with the quote, if so, could it be spoken of perhaps not in the language of data mindfulness, but with the language of the heart. The idea of turning towards difficulty is at the very core of a mindfulness practice. But with our habits of avoidance, it's also perhaps the aspect that gets talked of the least, at least in mainstream media reports. So how can courage and airspace be found for the uncertainties, the anxieties, the suffering, the losses that come into awareness when we pay attention, as well as the material benefits that we get so excited about. Indeed, could it be that the receiving of these benefits actually depend on our willingness to turn towards unpalpable truths? By neglecting them, might we receive a lesser version of the well-being that we crave? 
and miss out on a deeper sense of meaning and value, one that can't easily be summarized in a newspaper headline or a scientific study abstract. Well said, mindfulness.org. So, Yes, I am here, Alexander, Mr. Blue, spreading mindfulness and meditation as part of that. And today we are talking about the biggest roadblock being your relationship to pain and difficulty. So let me share a story from my personal life. So when it comes to meditation practice, sitting practice, where you sit and you have a start time and an end time, whether you're doing one minute, five minutes, 10, 30, or an hour, it doesn't matter what your time is. What matters is is that you are starting and ending, and for a period of time, you're training your mind and you're practicing sitting still. And don't ever think that none of us are struggling as well with all kinds of layers and voices and perceptions and expectations. It seems like this would be a really simple thing to do. And yet, you'll be sitting and paying attention to the breath and you'll be still and all of a sudden there's a thought, ding. And then before you know it, you're actually down planning your day, you're in the future worried about next week's paycheck and whether or not you're going to have enough to pay the bills or you're thinking about last week when your best friend fell down and broke his foot and then he had to go to the hospital. Wait, I'm supposed to be meditating. Oh, I'm supposed to be sitting still. I'm supposed to be here and I'm over there. Or you're sitting still and you're with the breath and ow, you're back and you're just moving and you've got to move and I need to move and I can't sit still and I've got so many things to do. I need to get moving. And before you know it, well, the other morning in my meditation, I got up and like halfway through because I would just had to go to the bathroom and blow my nose or check my mustache and how it was itching my nose because the hairs are growing up into it. <laughs> And like, what the, what the hell? You don't get up from your meditation, Alexander. You stay there until you're done with the allotted time. It's called practice. It's training. So then let's jump up a step. Let's jump up to this podcast episode. So right now it's Sunday evening. It's like six o'clock and I've been working all day today on beautiful viral mindfulness things. And so I am going through this podcast and I have so many things to do before I leave town on vacation in a couple days and I have so many other tasks, home tasks, work tasks. I know pretty much kind of where I'm headed with all of this and what needs to be done and so right now, you know, I'd love to be outside and I'm going to go for a walk when I finish this and I'm going to go watch the sunset and have some dinner and then deconstruct. And you know, it takes a lot to sit here and record and edit and listen and fix. And it's very meticulous stuff to do. For example, wanting to write a book, are you wanting to, you know, build a website or do that project or paint, you know, it it takes time to sit down. And oftentimes, you know, I think that what keeps us is our relationship to discomfort and pain. And you know, it's when we say discomfort and pain, it can sound like this really big, terrible, painful thing like someone's dead, or I'm dying or some tragic, traumatic abuse or violence. But don't underestimate pain and discomfort being, you know, really disciplined focus on a project where you don't know how it's unfolding, where you have to trust, where you have to put forth the minute after minute work, work, work. And 
So pain and difficulty is all around this. So then let's take now a really extreme example. So I'm going to share with you, perfect, about my father. And I made reference to this, and it's perfect because in Landslide, today's song, that's a lot of why I've been tapping into this song over and over in the last couple of years. There's so many layers for me with watching my dad in the last four to five years has started the process of dementia. And it's uh, something that I've been talking to him about since he used to visit the States when he was living in Ecuador. They have since moved to Arizona, he and his wife. And so just a few weeks ago, he was here visiting. He was staying with my sister and he was close to me as well. And we were spending time alone and together and with family. And his wife actually went and spent some time in Idaho with her family So we had some alone time with him. And for me, going through the last four and a half plus years, I have consistently watched this happening. And I remember the very first time I noticed it was when I was trying to help him learn when he was visiting on his own from Ecuador how to use an iPad and to strengthen his skills. And I'm pretty aware of the process of going from being non-digital to digital, and I often help a lot of people take little steps on iPads or iPhones or computers, and so I'm used to teaching, and I was used to learning, and so when I was working with him during this visit, I realized suddenly, well, not suddenly, it kind of popped, and I I didn't want to look at it. I, I noticed my my inability to face it and wanting to look away. And I kept thinking about it. And then finally, I let it in. I'm like, wait, he is, it's like his short term memory isn't working very well, because it's not like someone who just doesn't get it. It's like he it's like it never happened. There was no reference point. And so that was the first small clue. And then it just continued point after point after point. And gratefully, I have a really beautiful connection with my dad and we have developed a close friendship. And so we've been able to talk consistently through his visits and then their move here to the States. And so his most recent one, uh, there was a lot of activity going along and he finally made it to my house on a Sunday. Oh, right about now, Sunday, a few weeks ago. And he was coming for dinner And there was a lot of family stuff going along at my sister's house and lots of people visiting. And he's very, he's not very as comfortable being around a lot of people now. And so he made it to my house for dinner and I was preparing him a really beautiful, healthy dinner. And uh, he likes to eat beautiful foods that strengthen his mind and that are very rich in nutrients for his body and brain. And so when it was still and quiet, he was reading from my new book, um, A Velocity of Being, not the book that I wrote. It's a book that I'll put the link in the show notes. It's so amazing. And um, he just loved it. And dinner was in and it was prepped and ready. And I came and sat down and it was really still and we had some soft piano music playing on uh, Spotify. And then he 
just looked at me and we were there together. And he said, Alexander, I think I'm going to be going soon. And I just stayed with him because I've been having many conversations over the last couple of years with him. And he's like, not my body. My body's really healthy, but like my brain, I think I'm going to be going soon. And I just stayed with him. And I'm telling you, I want to run. I want to freak out. I want to scream. I want to cry. And of course, many a times I want to just work. I don't want to think about it. I don't know how to think about it. But currently what happened a few weeks ago is where I'm at now because I realized how subtle it is uh, that I would just be moving and I wouldn't let it all in and just let the feeling rise all inside of my heart and let it just burst if it needs to in that moment to cry, to feel afraid, to feel angry, sad, worried, to feel whatever. And so I'm learning and I'm practicing and I've noticed how quick and tricky and subtle it is that I'll, I'll move away from the feeling and um, I'll, I'll practice all kinds of avoidance techniques, you know, whether I numb myself or try to entertain myself or eat myself or, you know, work myself or even meditate myself or, you know, some sort of way to get away as opposed to just letting it touch me and stay for as long as it needs to and do nothing but feel and let that feeling bring me to an extended version of being purely present. It's not easy. And so for me, when he said that out loud, I just looked at him and I stayed right with him. And then he started to cry and he told me how afraid he is of what's happening. And I just stayed with him. One of the things I'm learning to do and to do with someone else who's in pain or fear is to say nothing and to completely hold a space of pure presence and just love. I don't need to help you. I don't need to fix you. I don't need to take away your pain, dad. I'm here. I know it's scary for you. It sounds you know, scary. There's lots of very neutral things that you can say in that moment for me. I just looked at him. I just said, I know it is scary. I can see what you're feeling. And so then we just had a few minutes and then dinner was coming soon and we moved the conversation into the kitchen at the table around food and and then we talked a little bit because I said, asked him if he wanted some input. I had had some ideas. And so then we moved in that direction. And it was really a fun, creative conversation about, you know, perhaps how can you let go and turn into this? How can he embrace this, even though it's the most terrifying thing for him? So that's something I just wanted to throw at you because it's so like raw and real and rough. And it's just, you know, I think you can relate that, you know, whether we're talking about your very extreme anxiety or panic or depression or trauma, um, whatever pain point or chronic pain or sexual abuse or a broken relationship or depression or deep grief and loss. 
and whether it's, you know, small ones, like I have a hard time working all day and really staying focused on my tasks, or, you know, I'm having a hard time saying no to sugar and I'm overeating, or whether you're unable to turn off television or get off that phone and stop scrolling, I'm right there with you. So these pain points are all around us. And so your relationship to pain. So I'm going to finish by offering several mindful mindset shifts that might help you relate to your pain a little different. So the very first one is be aware. It's pretty simple. It's what we're talking about with mindfulness. Just be aware that you are doing this. Acknowledge that you're going to do this in so many areas of your life. And then be willing to be aware and notice and investigate different aspects of your life. And maybe you don't start with the biggest issue in your life and you start with something smaller. Be aware that you are naturally, we all are as humans, we gravitate towards pleasure and to the benefits and we avoid and move away from the pain. The second mindful mindset shift Stop trying to fix or to cure or to get rid of. That energy seems to almost bring in so much more of what you don't want. So instead, perhaps start using language and phrases like, I'm willing to be here and acknowledge that this is hard for me. I can see that I'm in pain. I would like to learn something new. I would like to relate in a different way to my anxiety and my sadness. I would love to experience my pain in a different way. Start using words and language that are more descriptive than I need to get rid of it. I need to hire someone to fix it. I I am open to find new ways of learning and being with the pain and the difficulty. The language, so this third one is add more words. Uh, So for example, with meditation specifically, it's difficult for all of us to meditate. It's uncomfortable. It's painful. A lot of things come up. So whatever you think is going on for everyone else, not true. We're all in it together. So I've decided that we are going to talk about the M word. And we're going to open it up and deconstruct it. So instead of meditating, instead of going to do your meditation, why don't you go and listen? Why don't you go look? How about you sit and love? What about sitting still for 10 minutes and observing anything that happens in your brain and the mind and your body with your breath? Sit with your anxiety. Sit with your pain. Sit with the depression. Sit with the fear about your father and what he's going through with dementia. Witness, notice, turn towards, explore, discover, remember, uncover, investigate, practice, breathe. And the final suggestion for today is, you know, I really think you need to consider shifting your relationship towards yourself and to your inner world, to your inner terrain, to the inner climate, the inner weather. 
when I, when I was a therapist working with clients, one-on-one and couples, no matter where we started, no matter what their issues were, their problems that they needed fixing or help on or whatever the, the, the tactic they were using, there is an element where it always started with, okay, what are you doing today for practice? Like, what are you doing for, as Tony Robbins says, your hour of power? Like, how are you connecting with your source, with spirituality, with, with, with God, the universe, religion, with your community? Like, spending 30 minutes a day, an hour a day, in a regular, connected, spiritual place that deals with issues related to you, to your inner world. And so there's so many ways to set up that toolbox and practice. And of course, I am a very huge fan and proponent of mindfulness. That's why we're here. And with this topic and meditation. So I know meditation is super big and super obscure and hard to access and there's a lot of baggage that comes with it as well. So if you'd like to download a free 10-minute meditation guided exercise, a guided practice, we're not going to use the M word. If you'd like to download a guided practice, 10 minutes, uh, you can find that at my website and I would love for you to give it a shot. Um, and head over to viralmindfulness.com forward slash free meditation. And I'll also put it in the show notes. So it's been awesome to be with you today. Um, I will be coming to you regularly for the rest of the summer and fall. And so the show notes for today's episode will live at viralmindfulness.com forward slash 108. And you can get all that info there. So have a wonderful moment wherever you're headed next. May you be more generous, more kind and compassionate with your pain. I'll talk to you soon. Let me be your muse to music, mindfulness, creativity, and compassion over at my website, viralmindfulness.com. You can also find me regularly throughout the week over at Instagram. That's also at Viral Mindfulness.